All right, guys, we are back. And we decided that we wanted to focus on what we're calling change makers. And what we mean by that are people that are pushing the game of golf forward from within. Uh, and with us today, we have a very special guest, a, a longtime friend of mine named Michael Williams, uh, who's the founder of ACL Golf. Uh, Michael, if you could, let us know a little bit about yourself and what ACL Golf is. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for, thanks for having me. I've, been, I've enjoyed listening as a fan, and uh, it's always nice to... Uh, I thought maybe by mistake I was invited on, so that was that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you know I, I've like worked in the menswear world, uh, sort of my whole career, and and sort of very interested in in all different t aspects of fashion. And and one of the one of the things I've done in my career is tried to pair my interests with what I do professionally. And so part of that is like I'm I know about manufacturing and cloth and style and all this stuff and and what goes into the things that we wear and then i i like to pair that with you know the other things i'm interested in and so part of that was actually looking at manufacturing and where things are made and and what we what goes into the things that we use and then part of that has evolved into me you know sort of falling back in love with golf uh you know at a certain point in my life and then looking at it was more of like a function of me then going to play golf and having a hard time sort of being myself and making that connection between style and, you know, just being out on the golf course. And so that sort of led me to launch ACL golf, which is, uh, not named after the ligament in your leg, which I have torn. <laughs> so I'm not offended by the name. Um, but it's, it's, the site was originally called a continuous lean, uh, that I was like one of the sort of first menswear bloggers, um, which is a funny thing to tell, you know, people at a party because, you know, you just see their, their eyes glaze over and, and, you know, they think about blogs, but so I started this menswear blog called a continuous lean and then eventually evolved that into what, what I'm now doing at ACL golf, which is sort of like an intersection of style and lifestyle and golf together. So what is it you think about style that people have embraced to push the game of golf forward. And I think, you know, we've talked about this briefly, actually, in the last episode where the New York Times, uh, USA Today, the FT, Wall Street Journal, several major, major newspapers publish stories on how there's a whole new wave of kind of like streetwear in golf. Mm -hmm. And what is it about streetwear that that connects with golf? And why are why is this the kind of facet of the game that's, that, that people think is going to change golf when there's so many other things to talk about, like diversity and inclusion? Like, you know, getting more women playing, getting more people of color playing, you know, the the, the idea that country clubs are, are really where, you know, our friend Adam here plays the majority of his tournaments. You know, what what is it about style that that thinks people that makes people think they can change the game of golf? Well, I, I think streetwear seems like maybe the most uh, mentally opposed thing for golf. And so I think that as a journalist, like seems the most like entertaining or rich or uh, complex relationship. So I think the reason part of the, that, that storyline has been happening and that coverage has been going on is because it does seem sort of like an unlikely pairing to some degree. Um, I actually don't think that's true. I think golf is, you know, really, we all know this as golfers, like it's a, it's a big unifier. It, it sort of crosses all sorts of lines and interests and, and aesthetics and everything. Uh, you meet someone in an airport and it's probably different for Adam than us, but you realize they're a golfer and they, you can talk to them. Doesn't matter what their politics are, what anything, you know, doesn't matter if you're from the same country or not. Like you have that sort of commonality and, you know, I think 
guys that skate are like that. You know, women that surf are like that. They can intersect with golf. And, um, you know, I think that just, I think people are starting to loosen up to the idea of being, bringing your, your take or your spin or your aesthetic to the game of golf, as opposed to golf sort of rigidly, uh, forcing its, you know, aesthetic or opinion about what you should look like onto players. So I think like, it's just loosening up. And I think like that space, you know, sort of led by some pretty confident people like in the streetwear world that are, are sort of rejecting, like, this is what I'm supposed to look like, but I'm going to do this my way. Right. And I think that's a big part of fashion in general. And, you know, I mean, if you really want to like, look at this on the macro level, I guess, go to like nerd, nerd heights on clothing, but it seems like there's, we're at a point in style where, you know, younger people feel much more comfortable expressing themselves by the way they dress much more so now than sort of any time in the past. And it's led to this point where people feel, you know, feel okay being interested in style. It's, it's okay to that for that to almost be a hobby for people. And it's not like looked down upon or, or dismissed. And so I think people are, you know, we've like, everything is gathered to the point where people feel really comfortable and now it's sort of just breaking into golf because they're they're sort of bringing that idea that, you know, I don't want to change who I am just so I can play this game, you know. And, you know, it's like I think that's that's the big thing. But it, it's there's a lot of sort of things happening outside of like the mainstream of golf that seem to be pushing it forward from like a from a style perspective. Yeah, it's pretty uh it's a good take. I mean, I sit so deep inside the game. Uh, you know, I love listening to Ben and Eric talk about what they see and obviously hearing what you have to say too. But I guess uh, somewhat society over the last 10, 15, 20 years has definitely gone into this comfortable, casual look. You know, we'll talk a little bit about like athleisure wear or something mm -hmm. like that. People are taking a lot of function and um, what they feel comfortable wearing. and. Uh, I think golf, you know, has to take a little leaf out of that book and kind of move with society a bit. And it's happening, whether it's streetwear uh, or this kind of athleisure wear. And certainly, uh, you know, it would be relaxing the general dress code of a country club or something like that to allow these kind of things. Um, and I think golf has such great connections to life in general, like so many similar things like it's hard for example let's start there you know life can be hard too yeah and uh you know for me and uh, you're welcome to comment on it but i've always uh been interested in the style on the golf course you know going back 20 years ago i was uh wearing burberry clothing you know around the turn of the century when burberry really had had a uh big uptick and became actually quite popular in the rap culture you know the Burberry check was out there it still mm -hmm. maybe is and uh, that was an interesting time but now wearing Uniqlo I, I specifically gravitated towards them quickly because their kind of philosophy is life wear you know they're not pigeonholing any item of clothing for anything in particular and I think that that's something that I've really been trying to push when I get the chance to talk about it like now but um you know, it's a polo shirt, sure, but or it's a pair of pants, but it's versatile and it's not just my golf pants. It, mm -hmm. I travel in them, or I, you, you, someone else might go to work in them, and things like this. And I think I've talked a lot with Ben and Eric about 
um, you know, these stereotypes and, and how much golf is put in its spot and breaking down some of these things uh, is something I'm definitely interested in. And I like the streetwear thing. And that's just one area of expressing your personal style where if, if you can feel like you can go to a golf course like that, you might like the game. Golf's not for everyone, but, uh, you know, you want to feel like they've all got a chance to go out there and, and not feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the thing that comes up a lot to me. It's, you know, you hear you hear a lot from many different areas about grow the game. And, you know, I think it it's, it's a little challenged in the way that the game isn't always super receptive to people, right? It's, it's so intimidating in a lot of ways. And it's really not like mm-hmm. if you had someone to mentor you, like they could just break it down and, and sort of make it easier to get into. But, you know, I think the dress code is part of it. You know, people are like, I, I, and Ben, I think, I feel like you mentioned this at one point about talk saying like, don't wear jeans, like to yeah. some club and people yeah. like didn't understand because we don't really have there's very few situations in your life where there's a rigid dress code in the way that golf has, right? It's like, maybe it's like a wedding or like some event you go to for work or, or whatever, but there's not a ton of situations where people are telling you what to wear, you know, and certainly not like when in your free time, you know? Yeah. I I think that that's exactly it. So what you referenced is the country club up the road where, where I belong. I had a friend of mine, one of my better friends, was cruising around. I was like, swing by. And he was wearing jeans. And I, I was like, you can't do that. And he, he really thought it was kidding. And it's like, I mean, as you said, you can go to the, I mean, with the exception of maybe a few, the 21 Club being one, but like you can kind of show up anywhere in New York City and wear sweatpants and a pair of Air Maxes or a hoodie or whatever. And to, to, to say like, okay, I can go to, you know, name your, your favorite restaurant or the best restaurant in New York, but I can't go to this like random country club in upstate New York. It just, it, it doesn't, kind of compute and i think yeah. that that is you know the, the thing that 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 i think we really all struggle with and if you know i'm looking at your website right now aclgolf.com and there's a great quote that says there are more rules about how to dress for golf than most other sports and yet it's the worst dress sport on the planet uh which is completely true i mean it just it just is true is that a, is that a michael williams original or did you pull yeah, that from yeah i invented that <laughs> well i just think that you know <laughs> that's my handiwork that's why i stay yeah. up at night you know dreaming yeah. about um no, I, I personally think like I'm I'm supposedly a style expert, right? And then I go to some country club and they're telling me what to wear, right? To me, like that feels a little strange. And and it makes me think like there's part of that is like if it's a club and that those are the rules and that's what they're into, then I think that's totally fine. You know, I think in general, like and and I do see golf loosening up in a lot of ways where it's not as rigid in terms of dress code. Um so, but I, I do think like it's, it's a strange thing to be told what to wear by a lot of these, you know, a lot, a lot of places. And it's, it's sort of rooted in like, you know, in a bygone era of, of, of living, you know, it's like, it just hasn't sort of kept pace with like how people actually are living now. People point towards what they see on TV a lot. I remember a couple of years ago when, you know, Rory was wearing joggers and somebody showed up with joggers um to play at sleepy and it was they just were told to never do that again but we could point to say <laughs> well maybe the jogger wasn't the best example but uh you know but this was on tv they were playing quail hollow or something you know like do you guys get a uh you know a push from the the tour to kind of you know be that representation of what should be allowed at, at clubs not really i mean if i was critical of the tour a little bit i'd say they don't they don't 
uh, use their leverage enough uh, to influence the game in a positive in a positive way, like little things like that, you know. But our dress codes are so embedded in our bylaws and everything, you know. Ooh, joggers, you know, that's that's yeah. wild. Or hoodies made a big <laughs> made a big uh, impression this year, you know, yeah. and uh, just because it's a bit different uh, and. You know, I think the fun thing for me as a golfer is I'm playing a sport and I I don't have a uniform that I put on every time and I can kind of express myself through what what I wear within some rules that are applying, but they're they're softening, you know, a little bit. Um and I I think it's nice to see, you know, some guys taking risks, if it's not even really taking risks, but you know, trying to express themselves. There have been these players all throughout history, you know, going back, um, you know, there was, there's always been great style in golf and it seems kind of coming out of the 90s, it struggled a little bit to find, to find itself. Which is kind of funny though now because, you know, if I follow all these accounts on Instagram that just, just are digging into the 90s golf stuff so hard, you know? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. ironic. It is. I mean, everything kind of comes back around. But, you know, uh, I was a teenager in the 90s and my hero was Greg Norman. And if you look at those, I mean, those shirts stood out so much. I mean, they're pretty wild, like pizza slices. (laughs) He had his own (laughs) collection. But, you know, compared to everybody else who was wearing chinos and a white and a super big white polo shirt, it was, uh, you know, it stood out and he, he had flair anyway and charisma. But then you go back and there was the Doug Sanders and kind of the modern generation. There was Jesper Panovic who kind of pushed the boundaries and Ian Poulter's. But, but they, they're in the sports world, I guess, they're, they're putting themselves out there and getting heavily criticized, especially by the crowds as well. You know, when you go and I remember Ian Poulter playing in an all pink ensemble Sunday at the 2006 US Open at Wingfoot. <laughs> he was playing with Jeff Ogilvy, who won, and the crowd just rode him all day about it. <laughs> you know, so. Fair <laughs> enough, right? It may, yeah, it, it was extreme. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it it's it's fun that we have these guys ricky fowler is kind of the modern day guy he's he's adopted this orange out of his college but uh he's still running it and he's in his 30s now i believe so i'm i'm wondering if he's still going to run that when he's 40 but uh it's good to have these guys um pushing the boundaries a bit but it's a little bit limited still in the pro world because of contracts and endorsements and things like that and i think the way they dress away from the course is more like uh, that street, that street style, uh, mm-hmm. but they haven't been able to take that to the golf course just yet. But I think, I think all the big companies in golf are kind of wising up to it. And recently, Footjoy did this Todd Snyder kind of collaboration, and uh, you know, other big companies in the game are purchasing, um, you know, clothing companies to kind of get get in this place with where the young guys want it to go. We, you know, we we saw, you know, we talked about it on the last episode, which kind of inspired this one. We saw Hideki, you know, with the Supreme backpack on at Atlanta Airport on the way home after winning the Masters. And like, do you think if Hideki and Adam, you, you know him a little bit, if Hideki had his druthers, would he be wearing Supreme on the golf course or would he would he stick with what he's wearing now? I, no, I think I think if if it wasn't down to contracts and what company your equipment 
manufacturer's own and stuff like that. You know, I think guys would be dressing a little bit different on the golf course. There's no doubt. I see some of the shoes are more like uh, skate shoes mm-hmm. uh, out there now. So there's there's definitely a subtle push, but um, it it is good to see, you know, it moving in that direction. I don't think it gets as much traction at the country club end just yet. But you know, golf is slow and it takes time, and it's the one one of the things that kind of holds it back from growing like they really talk about wanting it to yeah, and, and and of course slow progress is better than no progress yeah look i'm very patient you know in golf you got to be very patient <laughs> and so so michael if if you could if if, if you're okay to do it let, let's name a few names on on some of the brands that that are kind of bringing streetwear or you know you know kind of a new take to to, to fashion for golf so you mentioned or adam mentioned todd snyder and and footjoy yeah which is what was great i mean we many of us here know todd i have some stuff downstairs you know that that to me felt like a really kind of like on point collaboration with kind of that was like really respectful of the past instead of trying to flip things upside down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would, that felt very Todd Snyder to me, right? It didn't, it, it, it was sort of, you know, that was very much too in the Todd Snyder playbook of find, you know, an old company with a lot of history, kind of go into the archive, bring some things back. Like he used the old logo and then put his sort of spin on, on what, it, on what it would be. And then ended up being feeling very Todd Snyder, but having, you know, being being a nice evolution for Footjoy because it was uh, sort of very different from what they would typically do. I mean, it was like all all natural fabrics, and so I think, and he was doing joggers, and you know, it's funny. You know, that still I think is either loved or hated the jogger thing. So it's it's very polarizing to people for some reason. Um, but yeah, that that felt really nice. The the other brand, there's a there's a lot of other brands brands that are doing interesting things. A lot of them are, are on the smaller side. I think, you know, they, they're the ones that are informing like what we're probably going to see, you know, in, in 2022 and 2023. Cause I think it takes the bigger brands like a lot longer to sort of catch up to this, um, or to like see it as a true influence. Um, but you know, there's Malbin obviously, and, and they're one of the sort of original like streetwear brands that have helped evolved, um, you know, the, the fashion conversation around golf and, you know, so Stephen Malbin and his wife, Erica, who founded the brand, you know, came from this skate world. Um, and so, you know, he's like bringing this very direct, you know, it's funny cause he told me the reason he started the Instagram, which eventually led to the brand becoming what it was, um, was that, you know, all of his friends were kind of sick of him posting about golf on his personal feed. And so he thought, well, I'm going to start my, you know, start a golf only feed. And that sort of just led to him thinking like, well, I want to wear, you know, certain things. And this is the way I heard it from him. But so Malvin has done a lot. Then there's, there's Eastside golf, um, which I think has moved the conversation a lot. There's little brands like Rata. Um, there's also these guys, uh, on the East coast, uh, called sugar love social club. They've done a lot of merch stuff, but, um, they also like art. They're a little bit of like a design agency. Um, like they did the identity for Pinehurst number four. Um, they, they did the identity for the hay, uh, the new Pebble Beach short course. Um, and so they, they've done like a lot of merch, but sort of evolved the conversation like streetwear and merch brands um, have sort of converged on golf in a way where like people are dropping sort of, you know, the masters is like the peak of the merch you know, universe and golf, I think, but so Sugarloaf has like pushed the conversation forward, um, in, in a certain way. Um, and then there's, there's a bunch of other little brands, like there's a brand in the UK called Sounder, 
um, which are these guys that uh, had a or still have a, a fashion brand called Folk, which is like a menswear brand. So they're doing their thing. It's kind of happening all over. And it I wouldn't say there's like one universal voice of, you know, it should be this or it should be that. But it's a lot. There's a lot of little things sort of accumulating. Um, and again, it's like I think people look at golf and they see, you know, just a lot of sort of small ways that they could inject their personality into or onto the game. And I think that that's sort of what I see happening. And if you were going to go out and play golf tomorrow, how would you dress? Like, what would you wear? Or would it depend on where you're playing? Um, I mean, no, I, I, I pretty much, I, my, my goal is, is generally like I want to wear the clothes that I would wear normally to play golf, right? Like my mission in life is like to not have special clothes to play golf, right? Like I just think like if I'm, if I have pants, if I have shorts, they should work for this. They should work for that. Part of that's like I spent the last year like trying to get rid of my possessions. So I've been like trying to reduce like everything I own by like 50 or 60 percent like over the last year, just because I've been stuck at home with all of my stuff that I've accumulated over years. And I just think like I don't need all this stuff. Uh, a lot of it I don't use. It doesn't make me happy. It just, I feel like weighted down by it. So part of my whole mission is like, I, I just want to wear, you know, like I would wear, I might wear if it's hot, a tech polo from Holderness and Born or something. Um, you know, I do wear a lot of Uniqlo, um, not a, not no paid sponsored mention there. Um, not yet. <laughs> no, no. I, so I, I love Uniqlo. I like the simplicity of it and the non-brandedness of it. Um, you know, just mm -hmm. the, the cross functionality of, of the brand like works really well for me. Um, but I would wear like probably J crew shorts, and a, and a polo either from like Sid Mashburn or from, you know, something else that I already own, um, maybe Holderness, maybe Be Dratty, like one of those things. Um, and then, you know, like I try to just not look like a golfer, really. Part of that is like I want to get out of my house without without my wife saying, are you going to play golf? <laughs> uh, and part of it is like I just want to look like myself, you know, and it's not a diss on like golf clothes. It's just. You know, I feel like I I want to I don't want to have to switch up my whole aesthetic just because I'm going to go play golf. And and how do you feel? You know, you know, to to kind of go back to a brand that I know a few of us kind of really love. You know, Ralph Lauren kind of has dipped a toe, and you know, he he sponsored Justin Thomas for a while and and a few other players. You know, this is the great American fashion brand, and it it almost feels like their influence never really reached their full potential in in the golf world as it has in in so many other worlds. I do feel like they have a really big business in golf, right? So even if we say like they don't have a big impact on tour, um, you know, in terms of sponsorships or, you know, I do think like they have a huge, probably a huge golf business, but I agree. I feel like it could be better. Um, I think part of it is like they've, there's certain things I think that are a focus at Ralph Lauren just based on like Ralph's personal interests. So it's like, there's things like double RL, which I think, you know, have captured like much more of his time and attention. And this is just me speaking, like in my perception, not like any, I don't know. I never worked there, but you know, I think like Ralph double RL over a long time, like barely made any money. Right. And, but it was like such a, it was kind of like the heart and soul of like one part of Ralph Lauren. And I think that's because Ralph like really loves it. And I think it's like very central to his, you know, Ralph Lauren as a company is still a very much like a Ralph Lauren, the person driven thing. So I think like he, it golf was never kind of, 
his passion maybe. And it didn't, you know, it sort of just never, it never gelled in that way to make it um, like more compelling, I think at the company, but I do think like they could have done much more with it than they did. Um, like, even if you look at the way Ralph Lauren is involved in tennis and Wimbledon, you know, and, and, and just things like that, like it, that seems more natural than the golf connection for them to some degree. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of guys because of the whole, uh, kind of golfers think we think we're athletes now <laughs> going down that kind of athletic <laughs> look. And, you know, we need this kind of more, more function in the clothing than the all natural uh, kind of fibers but I guess I'll, I'll try and put you on the spot a little bit here Michael uh, but you know for, for me or any other pro golfer out there what you know what kind of would you challenge us to do with our with our style I mean and I know that's a big gen, general question but you know I, I'm, I'm really big on like all the things we've talked about you know especially as you know Uniqlo and uh, has this kind of life wear philosophy and at the majors, just for a little background, you know, we try and do a little something that's a bit more inspired for each major and work with one of their other design teams, Uniqlo U, which is headed by Christophe Lemaire. Uh, and, you know, try and mix it up a little bit. But, um, you know, they're also trying to get get out their best products too uh, for people to see through me. But, yeah. uh, you know, where where would you like to see some pros t- take it and I, I know you don't mean like go just crazy and wear <laughs> ridiculous stuff but how, how do we kind of break down these barriers because golf has so many there are so many areas to go with it but again we're kind of we're pigeonholing ourselves all the time you know I, I I have an idea for what I think about this and and it could be a little bit off and so I'll give it like this caveat that you know at the end of the day like there's a lot of people probably on tour that aren't think like if if clothing doesn't add a certain performance you know like uh advantage in terms of you know play and success like while playing then it probably isn't worth thinking about right which i do think is like a justifiable sort of look at fashion if like you don't care it's not adding to your success you know in the game then it doesn't matter but that being said I, i personally think that like if you look at the scripting from brands for players at majors, a lot of them just don't feel like they would wear that, you know, where there's like almost like, mm-hmm. and, and I've worked around like celebrity stuff, like my whole career, like dressing celebrities and whatever. And I have a bunch of friends who are stylists. And I know that a lot of celebrities will just wear whatever the stylist gives them. Right. And like they don't, you know, they don't question it. Mm-hmm. It's just not something they think about, which is fine. You know, I see that sometimes in golf where it feels like these go- like these guys on tour aren't thinking at all about what they're wearing. They just get the package, someone sets mm-hmm. it up for them, and then they just wear it and that's it. You know, if it were me, like just to like go on a, a little bit of a diatribe about this, like if you look at Steve McQueen as an actor, like everyone sort of always holds him up as like this guy is like a style icon. You know, it, it wasn't by accident that Mc- McQueen looked the way he did. He knew he was a movie star. He did this on purpose. Like he wore what he wore and did what he did because he was furthering, you know, he just saw that as an extension of his brand as an actor. And I think golfers, you know, I look at social media accounts for big pro golfers that are literally nothing, right? Like they say nothing. Mm -hmm. It's not a big criticism, but it's like, 
you know, I'm so excited to be back at XYZ golf course, you know, where it's like, this is not, there's no kind of purpose for that, you know? And I think it would, it would be good for some of these, some of these really, you know, amazing players to have, like to think about their brand in its entirety, what they wear, what their social is like, like if it were me and, and I'm, I must be a narcissist or something, but I would probably like make sure that this looked like me. And when you see me outside of golf, like that's, you know, like, I feel like your Uniqlo partnership, when you, you see you on playing on tour versus like, see you in real life, it's, you can see the connection between the two, right? It doesn't, it's not like you just instantly then start wearing something crazy when you're not playing golf, you know, when you're outside of your deal. Right. Um, but, you know, I think like I would think about it, my personal brand more and how like my appearance is, what my social is like, sort of that whole thing. I feel like that if you take the Steve McQueen approach, there's there's a lot to be gained by doing that. I feel like you would just end up being more popular, probably like making more money. I don't know if that's the goal, you know. Right. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no. Well, I mean. Yeah, it does absolutely. I mean, I think uh, we kind of see things in line. I I think it's part of it's part of it. I've always kind of subscribed to the look good, feel good, play good mm-hmm. uh, thing. You know, I've been interested in uh, fashion and golf golf fashion. I guess then too, whatever that is, uh, since moving to Europe out of Australia. I mean, Australia, I didn't have a strong sense of it other than. You know, Greg Norman stood mm-hmm. out to me um, for wearing pretty Larry clothing in the '90s, and uh, you know that's exactly. I mean, we should talk. We can talk more about <laughs> that whole thing at some point, I hope. But but I see I see it exactly the same. I mean, I I see us lacking way behind um, other sports and other uh, kind of high profile yeah. people in in all these areas because we we're stuck in this box way way too much and. Um, you know, I, I don't know why we're so scared to s- take, just step out of it. You know, you don't even have to r- run out of it, just step out of it. And I, I'd definitely like to see that change a bit. And maybe, maybe even towards this kind of whatever part of this career, this is for me, as I get over 40 and stuff, I can, you know, push, push that agenda a little bit more from my side. Do you feel like there's a lot of pressure by like other guys on tour to dress a certain way, like where, you know, it's like Ian Poulter would get ribbed by the crowd at Wingfoot. But I mean, would anyone say anything unless you know, like maybe beyond like someone you're friends with? Would someone say like, oh, you can't wear that or whatever? Do you feel like there's a pressure around what you wear? I think, you know, you can, if you step out in something a little uh, out of the ordinary, the eyes are on you for sure. Everyone's everyone's looking because we're all we all care. You know, even though guys might try and play it cool or guys are too cool to be stylish or you know the anti-stylish guy, they're all looking to see what's going on. And and we're also slow moving. Like you know, the joggers is a funny thing. They kind of came in four years ago, and to me, the you know, it's like a that's like almost like a seasonal thing. Uh, for a, for a fashion house like oh it's in season spring summer we're wearing joggers or whatever and then you, you then you move on you know you move on to the next thing but it it gets stuck in golf and uh it's like um you know we're just we're just so slow to do these things but the rip the ribbing isn't too bad i mean there, there's a f- fair few guys but you know the last couple of seasons at the majors i've worn kind of like a a bigger silhouette a wider silhouette than you know 
skinny pants became popular however many years ago and that's just been the thing and guys are wearing a lot of jean style pants to play golf in that you know a pretty fitting and we decided to try and yep. mix it up and kind of throw back a little bit to that you know uh, mm-hmm. hogan sam sneed era in some of the cut maybe in typical uniqlo fashion you know fairly simple and uh sophisticated but that wider silhouette and guys you know i remember a couple guys making comment like oh, i want to wear wider pants again because that's kind of what they wore in the 90s even though it was a different if different style you know what i mean mm-hmm. do you ever think that someone would forgo uh like an apparel deal to wear what they want to wear like people are not doing a club deal to play what they want to play with it would it happen with clothes I think it's moving that direction generally. I mean, if you if you're watching close enough, you'll see more and more high profile guys with kind of blank bags or or corporate sponsorship on their bag, freeing up their equipment side of things. And because so many equipment companies um, kind of linked up with clothing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Titleist and then Footjoy created their own uh, apparel brand, you know, 10, 12 years ago now, um, that I think when guys moving out of this equipment space it gives them a little more flexibility then to dress how they want and i think you know generally the other thing and it, you know it, it's crude to talk about money but there's so much prize money now that it's pretty hard and you know the um clothing business it's pretty hard uh for them to be paying guys more than they can make in prize money because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to any apparel company to be paying you know, several guys, millions of dollars that they can earn on the course. So I think, yeah, I think it'll be, you know, it'll go trend that way where guys could uh, give give up a sponsorship to, to wear mm-hmm. what they like. I mean, the only thing that stands in our way with that is our own egos of being like desired by somebody and being yeah. paid to wear it and making, and that feel good thing of like, your own ego i feel like if you if you just if you gave up your sponsorship deal wore what you want looked really good you'd probably then make so much more money from the next deal right because everyone would want you because you're like the one of the most stylish guys like you know playing right absolutely i think you know and uh you know i don't know whether you think i think in some ways that's been my approach you know i've tried not to logo myself like a race car driver and um, and I think when you do that, it, it, it's hard for any piece of clothing to look really good. It's hard for the clothing to speak over seven logos on it as well. So, it, yeah, I mean, the commercial realities of pro golf is there too. And not everyone's going to be able to do that. But I, but I do. I would challenge some of the top guys who are great players to kind of take that approach you've just mentioned yep. that, that that's exactly where i was where i was going to head uh, is the the idea of the you know the commercial reality of, of life you know if, you, if you're not an adam scott if you're not a phil mickelson or you know let's say a top 25 guy you got to pay the bills and like you know flying from so and so to to augusta for for the masters like nobody's paying for that they have to pay for that themselves and so the these sponsorship deals are are a way to kind of cover those that cost basis but i i i was just looking back online at, at photos of hideki when he won the masters could anybody here tell me what logos were on his shirts when he won the masters a few weeks ago <laughs> i mean i'm assuming there's a titleist right isn't he a titleist guy no he's a strixen guy he's got a he had a strixen he had a strixen on one side and then another logo on the other a and a maybe uh lexus 
Lexus, right? Lexus. And so it's like, and, and that, you know, all to the point of like, okay, does this stuff work? It, it might work in the moment, right? But I mean, like nobody, nobody had more eyes on him that day of that calendar year than Hideki. And yeah, okay, Strixon, we know he's he's part of that team, or at least some of us do. Uh, and you know, Lexus is like, you know, Lexus is like it's a global brand, of course, but like it does it really resonate that that much? Like Adam, do you remember who was on your shirt when you won the Masters? Well, I do, yeah. I mean, I've had very few uh sponsors other than the clothing sponsor. I had I was sponsored by Mercedes at the time. And I had Uni- Uniqlo on one side and Mercedes on the other, and it's the only time I've had another um sponsor on my shirt other than apparel actually in my career but you know this was this was part of the thing it was a bit it was a big deal for me uh when I got offered that they were getting back into golf I thought it was a really really neat thing to be a part of and uh you know, you know again for for Hideki you know I I'd uh I'd I'd love to see him kind of dress the way Hideki wants to dress maybe maybe he is but uh you know there's there's obviously you know Japanese are incredibly stylish uh I, I think really and uh it'd be cool to see a guy like Hideki now I mean he already had influence but he even even more so now uh in the game of golf and Japan is the second biggest golf market in the world you know, I, I heard that Hideki drives a minivan, right? Like, he doesn't seem to care. You know, he, he's, he's more of like a function over form person, I think. I don't know. Yeah, that's that, for sure. For sure. No, I think that's very, very accurate. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with driving a minivan. <laughs> Sometimes I think maybe that would just make my life easier if I just drove a minivan. Um, all his all his sponsorships have to exist just for Japan. Like, they probably don't care, like, if there's any global reach. I'm sure Lexus is excited about it, but... Like he's, you know, like the Tiger Woods of Japan at this point, right? So, you know, I think for them, it's like, you know, it's just so big to be associated with him. I'm sure, just in their own market. So, if if we could, in the in the in the kind of waning few minutes here with, with Michael, what do you think is the future of fashion in golf, and does it really have an impact on how the the game is perceived? Because I can tell you this, like I hear about Malvin, I hear about Rada, and all these things. I play at county courses here. I play at, you know, exclusive places, mostly with Adam. Thanks for that, Adam. Uh, and, you know, everywhere in between. And it's like, I've never seen anybody wearing Malvin anywhere. I've never seen anybody wearing Rada anywhere. I see it all over Instagram. But, like, is this is this Instagram or is this reality? Well, I think it's, you know, I think maybe where you play, they're a little bit behind everywhere else. <laughs> I don't want to say you're behind. No, I, you know, I think... It's like if you look at certain, I think, places, it's very sort of still very driven by conformity, right? It's like a lot, some of these clubs are like, you know, heavily like populated by people that work in finance, which is very tribal and very conformity driven in its own right. Like, you know, the whole story about like a certain bank, they wear certain brands of tie, you know, it's like a thing, right? So, like, I think part of that is, you know, part of it is that. I do. I go to Wilshire. I see guys in like all of this stuff all the time, you know, like I see crazy stuff like, you know, in L.A. fairly frequently. I don't I don't know that like we're on the bleeding edge of this, but um, no, I think it's like very niche. I think it's even though like there's a lot of talk about these brands, it's still in in acceptance is still very, very small. Like we're in the sort of early, early days of some of this. I do think that like, you know, big 
apparel, like a big golf apparel companies have reached out to me to be like, we want to, you know, like design. We're thinking about like three seasons ahead. Like, where do you think things are going? Like, I do think we're going to see the impact of these little brands in a bigger way as they sort of move into mainstream. Um, and I think it, it'll probably be slow. I don't think like everyone is trying to make a statement with what they wear on the golf course, you know? And, and I think, you know, Malbin and some of these other brands, uh, you have to really be comfortable with your own style to do that. And even for someone like me, it's like, I typically dress like very conservatively, you know, in general and on the golf course, but I, I appreciate the energy and the enthusiasm, like bogey boys, all that stuff. Like it's not my aesthetic, but I'm excited because like they're doing it and it's at least getting the guardian and the New York times and, and everyone to think about what's happening around golf and which I think like hasn't has to be a net positive. Um, and eventually it'll bleed into Nike and to, you know, I'm like hoping someone will reboot Ashworth and just like bring it back in like all of its nineties glory, <laughs> you know, which would be fun to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of happened more with golf shoes recently, at least, uh, that sneaker culture is kind of creeping into golf. So maybe it's going to start and go from the ground up with the, with the uh, clothing worn on the golf course. I, I personally think it's going to kind of come from all angles. Like it's going to, streetwear is going to do its thing. You know, there's a brand in LA. I just went and saw it the other day for the first time. It's called Gatsby. And it's it's this ex-Cuccinelli guy that's doing it. It's all made in Italy. It's all wool and cotton and natural natural fabrics. It's absolutely beautiful. They're doing like tailored jackets that are like they're doing basically suits that you could wear the pants to play golf with a cotton PK, like super tight knit, beautiful cotton PK polo. And then it has a matching jacket if you wanted to put it on after. And it just works really, really well together. And it's 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 really expensive stuff. I don't think it's like going to be like very widely adopted, but there definitely is a type of person that like if you wear Cuccinelli every day, all day, and like you have to be obviously very uh, comfortable financially to do that. But if you wear that and then you put on like not to pick on Nike, but like Nike golf clothes, that's a huge step down. Right. So I think like there's room with aligning the way people dress normally to like what they want to wear on the golf course. And it's happening. I think like that's going to be the big trend that we'll see, like ultimately come out of all of this if I was to make a prediction. So to wrap it up, Michael, if, if there were three brands to kind of watch in this space, and it could even be Instagram accounts, it could be Gatsby, who you just mentioned, who's who's kind of just getting going. Who who would you pay attention to? There's like there's well, it's it's tough to say. I mean, there's a kid in LA that I really think is um that is really cool. Um, his name's Cole Young, and he has a, a Instagram account called Metalwood. Um, and he has like a little brand he's doing like vintage stuff and he's like always on eBay buying like all sorts of like random nineties golf vintage. Um, he, his, I think his aesthetic is, is he, and he was like a Melbourne guy at one point. So I think his aesthetic is really interesting and in that, like, I think he's got a really good point of view and he's very young and I feel like something good is going to come out of what he's doing. Um, I do think like the Gatsby thing is going to be impactful in a, in a bigger way. I don't know like how big it's going to be in golf. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's like a third, you know, thing that, that I think is worth watching. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of brands. It's like an exciting time to sort of just watch the space in general and to kind of look at golf and, and free yourself from like the maybe like all the things that have happened leading up to this point and just be open to it in a new way with, you know, how we all are living in 2021, which I think is kind of happening and, and, and pretty exciting, to be honest. And that wraps up episode five of Fair Game. On behalf of Eric, Adam, and myself, we want to thank you for coming along on this journey with us. If you'd like to hear more from Fair Game, be sure to sign up at fairgamegolf.com, follow us on Instagram at, at fairgamegolf, and be sure to leave this show a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts.